Hello folks and welcome to the show. In this episode, we chat to Manira, the CEO and founder of a CX consultancy based out of the Philippines. It's a great show and started off as a chat about the outsourcing world, but quickly became uh, an insight into Manira's personal view on leadership and how with great poise, she led her team through the last 18 months of incredible disruption. Uh, it's one of those episodes, we've done a few of these where we seem to just stumble upon a leader who just seems to make it seem so, so easy the way they go about it, which obviously is not the case as we know, but it's a really good listen. Grab a pen and write down everything she says because there's uh, there's a book in it, I think. I don't know if she's planning on writing a book, but she should uh, because it's a great guide on how to lead teams through uncertainty uh, and leading with purpose and values um, at the forefront. So we hope you enjoy the show. We're live. We're live. All right. All right. Well, welcome yes. back, everyone, to another episode of the Agile Contact Center. Yes, we are Woo. energized for today's episode. Um, as some of the audience members will know, sometimes we, we really reach into the bag of, of potential guests and we go global. And today we've, just, we've done just that. And we've gone to an area of the world that we have never been before. We're going to the Asia Pacific and we're speaking to someone um, from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Our guest today is Manira. Uh, Manira is the founder, I believe. Yes, founder and CEO. And Amira, I'll get you introduced yourself for a bit um, of Brand yeah. International, um, which is, um, as, as far as I'm aware as well, customer experience and business processing um, outsourcing organization, but with a heavy emphasis on customer experience. And that is part of the reason why we've got her on today. We actually met on Clubhouse. But that's how we started yes. in talking and Manira shared some awesome insights about customer experience and what she sees about the future. And we thought, great. She ticks us, ticks the box in customer experience, has a lot of great insights, but on top of that has a really, really interesting leadership journey. And we thought it'd be great for our listeners to hear a lot about that today. So Manira, welcome to the pod. Thanks, Anna. Hi, uh, Sean. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. Pleasure to have you. Yeah. It's a pleasure to have you on. Well, why don't you why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, Manira? Give us give us your intro. Sure, sure, I'll, I'll do that. It's an honor. So, um, well, as introduced by Arnold, I'm I'm probably I'm actually the founder as well as the CEO of uh, Brent International. I started this company about sixteen years ago, um, and primarily we are actually a digital and a CX transformation consulting as well as the business process uh, managed service uh, company. So what we do primarily is we actually deliver customer experience and business value uh, to our clients uh, through people as well as operations uh, excellence. Hello folks, we have some exciting news. We are kicking off a fortnightly lean coffee on the future of contact centers. We're hoping to build a community of support for all you contact center folks out there who are on a quest to reinvent your contact centers. Our plan is this, it's a fortnightly lean coffee. Lean coffee is just simply a way to prioritize the discussion. So we only talk about the stuff that's most important to you. So you guys will drive this, you will come along with the topics, we will help you prioritize them, and then we will run the discussion so you get the most value you possibly can out of this time every fortnight. 
We're going to run it on the Meetup platform, so www.meetup.com and then search for the future of contact centres and then simply register and you'll get all the reminders and so forth in your calendar. We think it's a cool platform because A, we can run the event through there, but also there's message boards, polls, discussion threads. So we're hoping it's a, a place where you can go not just to participate in these these forums every fortnight, but also to build your network with like-minded contact center people and have the discussions that you need to have so that you can make your contact center better. So we're super excited about it. Kicking off um, on Meetup, as I said, so head to www.meetup.com, search for the future of contact centers, register and come along. And yeah, we'd love to see you there and really look forward to making this something that uh, you can rely on to help you in your quest. So that's it for now, and we hope to see you there. Bye. Yeah, so today, um, on an average, we process about 15,000 customer interactions, uh, um, and uh, that is equivalent to more than 5 million uh, customer interactions uh, per year. And uh, our clients are primarily very much in the high growth internet companies uh, and MNCs. Um, and we support markets of, obviously in Malaysia, but we also do have clients uh, that are actually based in Singapore, Hong Kong, China. And, and we are actually obviously in the process of uh, going into new markets like US, UK, and obviously uh, uh, Australia as well. So uh, today I, I have about close to uh, a little bit above a thousand workforce um, supporting our BPO and contact center uh, operations. Um, and uh, we have been experiencing a, uh, a, a, a CAGR growth of at least about 29% year on year since 2009. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a little bit about uh, the company and, and a little bit about myself. Very cool. I, yeah. Marty yeah. is too really, really interested to, to understand more about what's happening with you and the industry right now because we know that it's gone through an incredible period of change and disruption over the last year. Um, so, mm -hmm. yeah, we, we definitely want to get into that. But, but I'm curious, and I know our listeners will be curious about your journey to get to this point today. So, mm -hmm. why don't you, mm -hmm. yeah take us back as far as you want to go. And yeah, tell us about a little bit about your history and your leadership journey to get you to where you are today. Okay. Uh, well, um, I started, as I mentioned, I started the company in 2004 and um, that was like 16 years ago. But prior to that, I have a total of about 25 years of experience uh, in, in the corporate uh, space. Um, and my last um, assignment, which was about eight years, has primarily been very much in the uh, CX uh, space. And I was actually working um, uh, in one of the large uh, foreign banks. Um, and I was actually charged with a global responsibility to drive the customer value proposition uh, for, uh, for the consumer banking business then, yeah. And I guess that's where, you know, I found my passion uh, I love what I do because, you know, when we talked about customer experience, a lot of people think that it is really, you know, the front frontliners, you know, and how do we get the frontliners to continuously uh, drive that uh, customer experience and uh, moments of truth 
you know, so that you get custom drive customer satisfaction and at the same time getting, uh, you know, repeat and referral business. But, you know, when I begin to understand a little bit more about what CX essentially is all about, uh, uh, it is not just about delivering customer service, but it has a lot to do with a more holistic approach uh, to drive that consistency in your whole customer value proposition. And that's where it got me to start looking at ways of how we can continuously looking at three core pillars then, we call it. One was primarily the voice of the customers. Um, and, and the second key pillar was uh, after knowing uh, what your customers are saying about your service uh, and what represents the drivers of customer satisfaction and the drivers of customer dissatisfactions, then it, it kind of you know, forces an organization then to look inwards to find out and establish what are the uh, you know, pain points? What are the things that we are doing that is actually, uh, it makes the customers very painful in dealing with us. So that's where you know, we start looking at, uh, looking at what we call the voice of the processes. Because we know that uh, you know if processes are not designed well, you know, and and then that it's a lot of uh, you know uh, too much of uh, hands hands uh, hands off from one department to the other, and if we continue to operate in in a silo mentality, then uh, you know it's going to have um, a, a delayed effect in terms of your ability to deliver uh, what the customers want in this case here. So so we looked at. Uh, the voice of the customers and then looking at the voice of the processes in terms of how do we redesign uh, our processes that has a major impact in terms of driving customer uh, satisfaction. And then finally, uh, the third key pillar that we were also looking at was looking uh, was primarily around the voice of the employees. Uh, and what this really means is that, you know, we, we we believe that at the end of the day, uh, if we can drive customer uh, or employee satisfaction, then you know you will get the uh, customer satisfaction formula right. So that's where we then start to need to look at from an employee uh, perspective as well. You know, understanding the drivers of motivation, understanding the, the internal capabilities, and what do we need to do uh, to increase the the branch uh, the bench strength and uh, you know, to deliver that customer uh, satisfaction. So, um, so I've been working on these three key pillars uh, or, uh, uh, vigorously when I was kind of driving this uh, initiative uh, for the bank. And, and that's where I realized that, hey, you know, I, I love what I do, I enjoy it. It's, it's, it's beyond just uh, looking at customer servicing perspective, but actually looking at transforming uh, the organization uh, you know, to 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 a very sustainable model to stay competitive in the, in the marketplace. So um, I was in the states uh, for a couple of years, and I realized that it's time to come home. And that's where I said, well, what better way than to start doing something that I'm passionate about? And that's how I started uh, Brent International. Primarily, very much doing a lot of consulting work, and of course. Um, you know, our business has evolved uh, when we started to help organizations to, uh, uh, you know, drive their customer value propositions through CX transformation work. Um, uh, we actually develop blueprints for our clients and, and typically, uh, you know, we, the blueprint will entail 
uh, moving away from the traditional channel of how you do business to, to that of uh, the, um, the digital channel, right? So, so it's like moving uh, and transforming organizations. And that's where we find that a, a lot of organizations uh, find it struggle to implement the blueprint because either they don't have the internal capabilities or they may not have the ready infrastructure to be able to implement uh, uh, the strategies to in, in, as far as the CX component is concerned. And that's how uh, clients then say, well, can you do it for us? And, and, and that's where we say, sure, why not? So what we therefore did was that uh, we, we evolved from just doing consulting work. Uh, we then uh, invested in, in uh, you know, the technology, invested in our infrastructure, and, and that's where we started our outsourcing business, right? Primarily mm -hmm. in the customer uh, management space. So, um, and um, since then, um, we have been on a road to, to kind of looking at um, a good mix of our business model, right? Because when we talk about consulting, it is primarily a uh, 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 12 months, 18 months project, and then there is no recurring uh, income for, for the company. But when you go into the outsourcing model, you find that typically projects ranges from one to two years or three years contract. And you find that's where we get to, uh, you know, have, uh, recurring income uh, for the company and and has that has worked for us and that's why you, you could kind of see that you know our growth has been averaging about uh, uh, 25 to 29 percent year on year and um, interesting to note obviously is that we have survived uh, three adversities um, the, uh, the first um, you know challenge or the first crisis that we were uh, that we have to deal with was the uh, great financial crisis, which happens in 2008. And then we had the oil crisis in 2014. And obviously, uh, very close to all of us, uh, um, it's the COVID-19 uh, that has happened to us in uh, year 2020 as well. So uh, we have been resilient. Um, we have not lost sight of the need to focus on the customer. Um, and that's what essentially we did. Uh, we plan uh, to, with the mindset that no plan survives day one. Um, and, and very importantly, it's, you know, we, we pivot very fast uh, when we are faced with uh, roadblocks. So, so it's really about the function of staying agile uh, and resilient, you know, that represents, you know, uh, our critical success factors. And of course, not forgetting that, you know, people, excellence and uh, ability to work with a winning team with shared goals and values are, are kind of very key uh, to to bring us to where we are today. Mm. Yeah, That's fantastic, Manira. There's a few things I'd, I'd love yeah. to jump into there. The first one was one of the things yeah. you just touched on, your ability to stay resilient and, and a couple right. of reasons why. What would be your advice to contact centre leaders who you know, obviously in a much smaller scale to you, but what would be your advice mm -hmm. to them if they build adaptable, resilient teams? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I guess when we talked about being resilient means it's, it's uh, from, from my perspective, from a contact center leader perspective, uh, I would think that it is really about, you know, the ability to 
uh, see failures or, or challenges as primary uh, uh, a temporary setback um, and that they can actually recover very, very quickly. And uh, it's important to kind of uh, adopt a positive attitude and you know, to, to kind of uh, focus on moving forward rather than uh, avoid being uh, stuck uh, in a particular uh, situation, right? And, and what I would think that a resilient leader would be one to kind of help, uh, they have to adapt to change very quickly, but more importantly is to help others to, to manage uh, the change. And, and it's so um, uh, important in today's context, especially where uh, you know, the new norms requires uh, we're seeing more and more people working from home. Um, people are essentially very disengaged at, at this point of time. So that's that's a, a lot of uh, there's a lot of focus that has to happen in terms of making sure that uh, you know ensuring that the employee engagement uh, and the employee experience becomes a, a very key priority, right? In 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 making sure that uh, your people. Uh, continue to uh, the wellness, the employee wellness is essentially uh, taken care of, right? And I don't see uh, uh, the work from home uh, environment is going to go away, right? And, and we've been repeatedly, many research has also shown that this is going to be the new norm, right? Moving forward. So, so from a contact center uh, leader perspective, uh, it is therefore important to put uh, contact center performance strategies uh, around uh, work from uh, home um, as as another strategy that it essentially needs to think about. Manira, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm loving this. By the yeah. way, um, I don't know about the audience. Yeah. Like, like you've yeah. just you've just shared so much gold and all that, and I just want to unpack all of it. But yeah. one of the questions I have when you you were talking, um, sorry. Um, the one of the things that come to mind is you've, you've obviously been in the business for a long time, mm -hmm. right? And the thing that strikes me most, the most as you talk about your journey is your ability to continue to pivot and to not just rest on your laurels, but to continue to look at new opportunities, look at what's happening and, and, and open your mind to mm -hmm. that. Like, I'd love to understand, I mean, the, the reason why I'm talking about this is the contact center space is a very traditional mm -hmm. space. There's a lot of, this is best practice. These are the things that you need to do. These are the metrics you need mm. to do. I, and I think there's a, almost like a mindset that is really hard to unlearn and to move into new space. Right. What is your, I don't know, your secret or the things that you might do to keep yourself open to new changes, new opportunities, and not get bogged down just by your successes and things that have worked in the past? Right. Yeah, well, well, I guess it's one question. I hope that makes <laughs> yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's certainly very relevant, right? And and I, I guess from from my perspective, it's it's being uh, on top of the game requires ones to be very sensitive to the market uh, demands and the market challenges, and and that's uh, primarily very important. And I can kind of quote an example, uh, a very recent examples around. Uh, how COVID has essentially uh, impacted uh, our operations, right? Uh, that happens last year um, in, in January um, and February. In fact, February, I was actually on the way home from, from the States. Um, and we were already seeing that things are not working well in, in Wuhan. 
you know, we, we, we already seeing a, a lot of the US companies who are actually making ways, preparations to kind of uh, bring the uh, Americans home uh, because of the impact of COVID and all that, right? Um, so, so that kind of strikes us as, hey, you know, we better start thinking about, you know, what if it hits Malaysia? Um, and, and, and so the ability to kind of being very sensitive to a market and, and the ability to kind of uh, take a, a one step ahead uh, becomes uh, very key for us. And, and I'll explain later on uh, some of the challenges that we, we face in the outsourcing industry that requires us, I mean, if we want to survive, if we want to stay relevant, uh, uh, you need to keep pace because otherwise then to, you're going to be outpaced, right? And, and, and that's essentially... Uh, uh, what this game is all about. It's, it's, it's competition is the one that who is ahead uh, will continue to become the, the market leader in this case. So, so what we did then was that even uh, early in February, we started our pandemic uh, uh, task force uh, looking at various scenarios of how, uh, what we need to do in the event if, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, there is a disaster. We looked at uh, various scenarios, even all the way down to when we are in a total uh, lockdown situations, right? So, and, and why this is very important for us is because we do not just support uh, uh, markets in Malaysia, but we do have clients who are, you know, in, essentially in Singapore, Hong Kong, China, and, and other markets as well. And, and for us, uh, you know, one very important thing that came into our mind uh, when we were faced with that particular challenge was really uh, how do I protect uh, revenue? I think that's very important because uh, uh, what comes into our mind is actually job protections, which is primarily our people component part of it. So if we can take care of our uh, uh, customers, then you know, our jobs are protected. So that was the first thing that came into our minds, right? And, and as such, we were very, uh, 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 we put in a, a robust uh, 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 scenario testing uh, uh, to look at all possible ways of how to deal with the situations. And we've been pretty fortunate because uh, way back in 2019, uh, um, early 2019, we have actually embarked on our digital uh, transformation journey. So we, what this means is that, you know, our technology uh, was like already on, on cloud. Um, and, and as such, you know, we had really no problem in, in moving or migrating our operations from, from a, a delivery center or delivery site to, to actually getting our agents to actually work from home. Um, so, so the digital transformation helps uh, uh, to, a, to a large extent because the readiness to, to uh, ensure uh, operations and uh, business continuity was, was there. And obviously the second key thing uh, for us was to make sure that, you know, uh, we plan and making sure that uh, the people or our staff has all the relevant tools uh, to ensure that they are able to, to actually work from home in this case here. And what we obviously uh, did not fail to do was that um, we understand the, the importance of people having to struggle working from home, right? Not, not, uh, not everybody has uh, the luxury of having a room, a work desk, uh, right internet connections and, and stuff like that to be able to just switch on. So uh, we were very sensitive to the fact that, you know, uh, we continue to communicate 
uh, with the people, and we put a lot of empathy in into the whole uh, 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 communication line because uh, we kept the communication line open because a lot of people were having challenges in terms of do I still will get a job um, the following day? All right, uh, so we we kept that going to ensure that you know people. Uh, uh, you know, continue to update and tell them that, you know, uh, uh, you know, their jobs are protected so long as you focus on getting uh, to do what we have committed to our clients, then, uh, uh, you know, we'll be okay, all right? While at the same time, uh, we still have ongoing dialogues with our clients, you know, to, to kind of uh, influence and giving the assurance of the data security uh, protection, you know, all these things uh, come into play and, and influencing them and assuring them that our technology uh, has the capability to actually protect uh, the data uh, and uh, data flow um, and, and so on and so forth. So, so we, we kind of, uh, um, the, the, the scenario testing helps us, uh, the planning helps us to kind of prepare ourselves uh, for uh, the lockdown uh, situation in this case here, yeah. all right. So, uh, so coming back again to, to to the questions around, you know, uh, what what exactly do we, why do we do it this way? As I've mentioned, it's about uh, primary in the outsourcing space. We, we're kind of uh, uh, there are a couple of key challenges that that we have uh, uh, we are facing, right? Uh, one of them is, is primarily the cost of doing business, okay? Uh, outsourcing companies today are expected to provide the best results, you know, uh, that's the reasons why they outsource to you, right? And, and while they are not willing to pay for, uh, you know, uh, the cost must be, uh, cost to serve must be minimal. So we're kind of uh, pressured in terms of, uh, you know, how to, uh, you know, and make sure that our margins um, are there and to ensure that the, the, the business becomes uh, profitable. So as such, this forces us to, to innovate as, as an organization, uh, you know, looking at ways of how uh, we can uh, ensure that our operations continue to be lean, continues to be efficient. And that's where, you know, when we embark on our digital transformations, we, we injected a lot of uh, automation um, uh, into our processes, uh, and we have moved uh, towards digital workforce environment as well. That means getting work that are high volume, which are repetitive work, uh, you know, to be performed by robots rather than highly dependent on on the human beings, and and that has worked for us as well uh, uh, in during the pandemic because then you know the robots are not impacted in, in as far as the COVID is concerned. So. So, uh, you know, the innovation component uh, was from, from our perspective, uh, a survival strategy for us, right? So we kind of uh, ensure that that was uh, uh, in, in the game plan. And we also know that uh, uh, customer expectations and, and uh, the second key thing uh, beyond just the cost driver is that um, more and more of our clients are getting more sophisticated. Uh, they, they are now very familiar with uh, outsourcing uh, and they also are very familiar with best practices in the BPO uh, space, right? So customer expectations and expecting of quality service becomes uh, a, a, a key norm 
in, in dealing with uh, outsourcing parties like this. And, and that's why uh, for us, it was very important to work with our clients in partnership. It's about a collaborative model uh, uh, you know, to ensure that we keep our, our clients. And, and I think that has worked very well for us simply because um, in, in times of COVID, uh, uh, the trust was built um, and, and we were able to, because of that, uh, uh, continue to deliver our service. And not only that, during these times, uh, when volume increases, we were there uh, to essentially uh, support them as well. So um, for us, enhancing our communications, uh, giving our clients accessibility to real-time data uh, and operations metrics, uh, gave and enhanced that, that trust element. Uh, it helps to deepen our relationship uh, with the client and, and that uh, in a way increased the client stickiness. Um, and, um, and that's how uh, last year we were, it was our best performing year, all right? Uh, for the last 16 years, uh, we, we, we had the best in terms of top line, we, were, we had the best in terms of the bottom line as well. So, so, so I guess it's, it's really coming back to, I mean, Anna, it's, it's, a, it's a long way to answer your questions, but um, it, it, it is really about uh, 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 the need for survival that actually, um, and, and uh, to a point of wanting to thrive in adversities that actually challenges us uh, as a team, uh, to continuously uh, innovate uh, and being ahead of, of, of things, uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, making sure that, you know, our, our customers, both internal and external, uh, effectively uh, manage in the process as well. It's really interesting yeah. to me, like, as you talk about that, because, you know, there's two, there's two hundred ways you can look at the problems that you were talking about there like one way and, and maybe you're you're being humble here but one way there's there's one path yeah. right which is where people and we saw this with our businesses where they went oh this is too hard how can i take the shortcut routes mm -hmm. the tried and tested kind of ways mm -hmm. to survive mm -hmm. but it sounds to me that you've you've taken it more of a well it's a challenge how can we think outside the box so that we don't lose out on our customer experience, so we don't lose out right. on our people, that we retain right. these things. So how do we not impact those solutions? Because it's easy, because you could have gone, any organization could have gone, well, we're going to have to lose out a bit on customer experience, or we're going to have to get rid of a whole, a whole bunch of people so that we can continue to, to sustain our costs. But instead, you've right. looked at it more from a, well, what are the opportunities here, and how can we solve yeah. for it? So mm -hmm. I think for me, the question then is like, maybe this has been your secret source is this mentality of, and you kind of alluded to it earlier is this mentality of how can we solve for something? How can we take these as challenges to solve rather than mm -hmm. as a, you know, oh, just this problem that I just need to get out of the way quickly that you're, you yeah, there's this mm -hmm. challenge of my mentality or this open mentality towards it. I, I don't know. Mm. Am I making sense? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I think absolutely, Ani. I, I and I, I agree. There's there's kind of two ways that companies went. It was do, how do we cut costs to survive? I think the same the same driver was there. It was survival, but it's it feels like you had the right culture and mindset in your organisation that you saw that as a challenge to overcome. Um, in terms of almost like a how do we differentiate what we do? Yeah. 
live a calmness rather yeah. than okay uh let's just you know reduce cost because we we don't have as many customers yeah. and revenues down so yeah uh, so yeah. i wouldn't mind just, i've got a question about that that um that mindset or that that culture that you have does that go all the way down to your frontline staff or or through the organization if it does how how do you do that and nurture it and keep it alive so that I suppose you probably need everyone thinking like the way you do, right? Sure, sure, yeah. sure, yeah. I, I think it's essentially a spot-on observation in, in terms of, you know, what has been our driving force and the uh, the key foundation for, for our success, all right? It's, it's certainly not a one one person's uh, impact, but certainly it's, it's an organizational, uh, uh, you know, everyone uh, putting, you know, uh, focusing on, on um, you know, taking the company to the next level, which is essentially uh, very important. Yeah. So um, I, I would again want to point back to the fact that while I have been painting, uh, you know, a lot of things uh, which are essentially very positive, but you know, beyond just the uh, 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 making sure that uh, the revenue protection comes into play, uh, we were also very mindful of the fact that you know. Uh, uh, cost control and cost management becomes our, you know, uh, third key agenda. I spoke about, uh, you know, number one was really about job, uh, uh, you know, revenue protection. Second was job protections. But the third key thing for us was like, uh, you know, managing our cost. Uh, and, and the fourth was really about, you know, so how do we find new revenues in, in times like this where the borders are, are closed and, and shut down and stuff like that, right? But so from the cost management and cost control perspective, uh, we, we were very critical about, you know, uh, what, we, uh, what represents uh, costs that are unnecessary costs, right? Um, and, and one of the key things was we actually looked at all our projects and to actually nail down, you know, what are the projects that are essentially has negative P&Ls and those are the projects that we probably need to kind of uh, uh, shut it down, right? Um, and we have to make some hard decisions in that process. I mean, it's not the decisions that we want to make, but we have to make a very hard decision to, to shut down uh, those projects, which impacted from uh, about 30 people. Uh, but we've been fortunate while we shut down this project, uh, the other projects were scaling. So we kind of able to redeploy the people to our other projects and then uh, able to scale the other projects as well. So, so some hard decisions has to be made. Um, and, and one of the key things, um, to give you an example of what uh, you know, the leadership, how the culture essentially came, uh, is reflected in, in the leadership team, at least for, for, for now, is that um, about uh, two weeks after the lockdown, um, the whole leadership team, when we, we meet on a, day, uh, a daily basis to understand the, the challenges that we face and make very quick, swift decisions on what we need to do. Um, they sat down and, and said to, to me, it says, Munira, this is our proposal. We will all take a 20% uh, pay cut uh, on condition that you do not touch my people. All right. And I say, wow, where does this come from, you know? And, um, and, and that is, uh, speaks a lot about um, the, the culture uh, in the company. Um, and, and primarily, it's really about the people component, all right? Uh, we, we stressed a lot on, on the people. 
and uh, we have not failed in terms of ensuring that the people's welfare, uh, uh, you know, is 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 our number number one uh, priorities. All right. Obviously, we do live by our values, uh, and and one of the the key values of of what we do, it's it's really about uh, having that spirit of adventure uh, in in all of us, and this is not only just uh, at the level of uh, 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 the leadership team, but certainly it's cascaded down to the to the rest of the employees, and we do this on a very rigorous uh, basis. Uh, it's all about leadership by example. Uh, uh, we are very mindful of the fact that as leaders of the company, uh, what we do, what we say, and the kind of decisions that that we make must essentially mirror. Uh, the corporate values uh, that we have as, as an organization. So when we talked about the spirit of adventure, uh, it was in times like this, uh, in the COVID situations where we kind of give empowerment to, to our people to look at ways of how to deal with problems, um, you know, and, and making sure that, you know, uh, it is for the benefit of the uh, organization. Right? So people were, were continuously innovating, looking at coming up with suggestions, ways of how to overcome uh, certain processes, uh, custom interactions, uh, and, and even to a point of, you know, coming up with employee engagement activities uh, and employee experience uh, uh, strategies and stuff like that. So, so there's a lot of um, empowerment uh, that is actually given, uh, trust that is given to, to, the, to the people, um, you know, to kind of drive the, the, the culture that we have uh, in the organization. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so that's, that's us, very much us. <laughs> I guess the question is, you know, like I just, cause I, cause I love that. Like, and that's, you know, if anyone listens to the podcast, like that's exactly the sort of thing we talk about because it, it's just so much more powerful than, you know, someone barking orders at everyone. Otherwise mm -hmm. everyone just becomes robots and there is no, it stifles innovation completely. Right. But, and, and sometimes it's hard maybe, you know, for you to, to say, Hey, these are the things that you do because you know, maybe it just comes so naturally. You just do the things that you do to create that culture. Yeah. But is there anything right. that, like, if you had to tell any leaders that are listening to this, like, because they're probably listening to this and going, I wish my people would come to me and say, we'll take a 20% cut <laughs> so that we can protect our people's jobs. I think that, like, yeah. how incredible is that? Like, that's, that, that just speaks to so much of, of being um, values-driven and purpose-driven in your organization. Right. But, like, what is there anything yeah. specific that that you think that you do to drive that culture um, in your organization? Well, I, I guess, um, you know, number one, it's, it's um, you know, uh, it's hiring the right people uh, in, in, you know, to be part of that leadership team. I think that's, that's really uh, important. Um, and, and typically I, I take a lot of time to, uh, to make those hiring decisions. Uh, very slow to hire, but very quick to fire. I mean, I mean that's that has been my philosophy, um, and and simply because you know uh, it has a lot to do with making sure that you know we uh, the the leadership team has a very aligned uh, uh, vision and mission and and uh, believed in that my my journey, all right, my personal journey for for the company. So I think that was uh, very important, and we have certainly. A leadership team which are like-minded like like myself 
Um, and it's interesting to say that, you know, some of the team leadership team that is now with me are people who has been my, my client. Right? Uh, they started off as a client and, uh, you know, they, we, 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 we built a kind of a client uh, a partner relationship and uh, we, we deliver what we promise. The clients loves us, you know, and then when he started to move to another organization, he brought us along with him. And then when he moves on, he brings us to another, uh, you know, just, just one person. Uh, he brought us into four uh, organizations that he worked in. I mean, that was how uh, the relationship uh, 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 continued to start bonding and after which uh, he decided to, to kind of call it quits in the corporate world. And, and when I found this out and I say, hey, why don't you join us? And he say, sure, why not? So, so, so that's where, uh, you know, from a client, we became friends and from friends, we now are colleagues in that sense. And, and I think uh, that's primarily what the leadership team comprise of, right? Uh, people who has worked with me in past organizations, we have crossed paths. Uh, so I know these guys uh, uh, well, they know me, they, they, they understand my personal vision of the company and, and typically um, uh, people who are at that level, um, it's beyond compensation, right? They, they kind of looked at uh, uh, making sure that, you know, is, is this a company that they want to work with? Uh, are they, do they buy into that journey, um, the shared vision, and if they do, uh, that's where, uh, you know, um, they come on board and they kind of emulate the same similar traits and vision, uh, leadership traits, and, and that, that, that gets uh, cascaded down to the other people uh, in the organization. So, so it's, it's always about making sure you have the right uh, uh, team in place. Uh, it takes time to build that, but like I've said, you know, um, um, uh, if you get that right, um, uh, you, you don't have to spend uh, every night uh, sleepless nights, right? I mean, I can sleep in peace, there's peace of mind. Uh, I trust my people to be able to do the job so that I can spend more time uh, doing things that I love, right? And, and, um, and I think that's, that's important, right? It's, it's just not bringing the right people on board, uh, but trusting that they will do the, the right job. And, and as an entrepreneur myself, you know, uh, the earlier years, it has always been a challenge for me to let go, right? Because uh, when when you're starting out, we always want to kind of, uh, hey, I can do this, I can do this, I can I can do everything, right? And I and I want to be part of that whole process, right? But you realize that uh, that became a a, a a setback for my person for the growth of the company because when you are too sucked into the day-to-day -day operations, you don't have time to think about you know, growing market access and, and scaling the business and all that. So, so you, you need to come to a stage where uh, uh, when the company is big enough and, and you want to have the aspirations of going global, uh, you, you need to trust your people, you know, to, to be able to do the right things and the ability to let go, it's, it's essentially uh, very important. And, and that, you know, was, Primarily a personal self-reflection of myself as well, right? It's like knowing when to let go, uh, and and um, you know trusting the people, you know, to to be able to take the company to the next level. 
Hey, I've got a, a, a question about the values alignment. Yeah. Um, how yeah. do you, you are, are there any ways that you could share maybe some unique, non traditional ways that you look at mm-hmm. recruiting yeah. for values alignment at the front line? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's the same thing. Uh, what we do, it's uh, we always uh, have this hiring philosophy of hiring for attitude and train for skills, right? Um, and 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 that's uh, very important for us. And and typically, uh, we know skills are trainable, but you need to have that right attitude. And and our recruiters are essentially trained to to kind of use. Uh, uh, to ask uh, behavioral uh, interviewing questions rather than uh, the skills-based uh, questions, right? Um, and and, and the, we are very clear about what we want to look at in terms of uh, a customer service uh, professional role. We are very clear about what it takes to have a team leader's role and all that. So we kind of have a competency framework that, is, uh, that has been developed uh, that is aligned to our uh, corporate values. And we kind of use the competency-based hiring uh, methodology uh, to kind of hire uh, our people. And uh, our attrition has, is, is, has been extremely low, uh, considering that in the outsourcing space, uh, you know, the attrition can go up to at least uh, 40, if not 50% uh, in, in this part of the world. Uh, but um, you know our, our attrition has has been uh, uh, in uh, one digit uh, most often, uh, and and that has a lot to do with making sure that you kind of hired the right person, uh, and then having a very robust uh, onboarding uh, uh, process uh, to make sure that the, uh, the people are, are set for success rather than being set for failures, right? And, and what this really means is uh, when they come in for the onboarding uh, process, uh, they are actually uh, provided uh, training on not just only the product training and process training, uh, but we also inject a lot of the value and the customer centricity training uh, into part of that onboarding process. And then uh, we have what we call a a fish tank uh, methodology where uh, they are actually put into uh, on-the-job uh, uh, training. Uh, they are given a, an environment which has a, a safe environment for them to apply the skills that they've learned uh, into the customer interaction uh, process. Um, and we have dedicated coaches and trainers who, who is uh, on call, who is on site to ensure that you know, they are able to we are able to build that confidence in these people uh, to actually manage the customer interaction as well. And then, you know, it, it comes with tests, it comes with role plays. And then finally, uh, they are then certified to actually go into the calling floor. Uh, so that's really, uh, for us, it's very important because we know that the first three months, if we do it right, uh, then you find that uh, uh, the people will stay uh, with the organizations and see. Uh, working in the contact center uh, uh, space, uh, generally it's, 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 it's a, a cultural shock for a lot of people if you kind of, you don't induct them in, uh, in nicely. So we kind of spend, uh, we have done our own internal data to know that if people 
are um, ensured to, if we keep and coach these people in the first three months uh, to ensure that they are successful, there's a very likely high chance that they will stay with the organization. So that's why we put a lot of efforts into the onboarding process and then before they, they get into the calling floor aspect of it. So I think the good thing for us, it's, uh, you know, the leadership team primary are people who are practitioners themselves. Uh, I do have part of the leadership team who have been agents before, all right? And, and uh, so, which means that they know what is it like to become a call center agent, you know, but they have grown uh, in the career and they become leaders uh, themselves, right? And that's really what we, 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 we promise our people, right? Uh, we're not giving you a job, but what we are giving you is a career. Uh, in the contact center space or in, in the outsourcing space. Um, and, and that's uh, has worked well for us because we are, look, we are seeing people progressing and growing in, in their roles. Um, and, and we find that uh, the good thing about being an outsourcing company is the fact is that uh, if, you are, if you perform well, uh, there is a lot of uh, both lateral uh, and horizontal growth opportunities that is essentially given uh, to the agent uh, to excel in, in, in their career, right? So either they move into other projects or they become what we call trainers or, or QAs. Um, and because we have a training and a consulting arm, uh, they get to also move into becoming associate consultants, um, and then finally become a full-fledged consultant. So, so the, our high posts in the organization get a chance to also participate in uh, external projects. Of course, uh, being hence, uh, uh, they are coached by the real consultants, uh, but they get a chance to learn in that process as well. So I think that are some of the things that we kind of uh, uh, work to ensure that, uh, uh, you know, we ensure that people uh, continue to stay with with the organization. That's uh, that's awesome. There's so much in there that that I think um, leaders could could start to you know reimagine how they they do their their hiring and boarding. Um, right. Mm. I've, I've got a question as well. It's making me think about you mm. talked earlier about the competition for your customers and and innovating that customer experience. And you touched on a bit of it then. But how do you think about mm. innovating the employee experience? Because I imagine it's ultra competitive where you are in the world right and right you know there's probably a lot of opportunities given how those roles are viewed in the outsourcing world in right in clean so yeah how do you think about innovating yeah. the employee experience right right i i think uh, people kind of get confused in terms of the definition of what employee experience and employee engagement is uh perhaps i can kind of Put into perspective what these two things means. Um, when, when we talk about uh, uh, employee uh, experience, it's it's really about looking at the whole uh, employee life journey with the organization. All right, so it kind of starts with even at a point when they come in uh, for an interview until they they exit the, the organization. So so it's really the whole uh, gambit of uh, you know pre-hire to post-exit interactions. Uh, anything that happens in between represents the employee experience component. While uh, employee engagement, it's, it's, primary, it's, it's actually part of employee experience, uh, whereby uh, you know, we, we kind of uh, ensure that you know, we come up with uh, uh, anti-burnout initiatives, 
social uh, address to address the emotional and social needs of, of the people uh, in the workforce aspect of it. So, so for us, uh, this has been one of our core uh, strategy of how we actually kept our attrition uh, numbers uh, uh, low uh, because we do spend a lot of time uh, in, in looking at it. Uh, I, I shared a little bit about how do we do the hiring process, how we do the onboarding, and at the same time, you know, making them feel that, you know, they are with us, not because it's a job, but they see this as a career for them. So that there is a whole suite of training and development interventions uh, and talent uh, initiate, talent development initiatives that we have put in place uh, to ensure that uh, the people grow with, with our organization, right? Um, and, and, um, and making sure our leaders uh, actually have the right uh, leadership skills uh, and, and we put a lot of focus on managers as coach. So a coaching program is, is, a, is a mandatory for all our team leaders to, to go through. Uh, and, and the reasons why we want to do this is to make sure that uh, uh, the people, the agent level and the calling floor are, uh, are seen as, uh, the team leaders are seen as people builders rather than just focusing on KPIs and, and uh, operational metrics and stuff like that. So, so, um, so that's really important. And um, and so, and then we have the employee engagement activities, where uh, interestingly, uh, it's not driven from uh, the corporate HR people, uh, but uh, we have what we call the all star all star brand team, where it comprises of representative from the uh, people at the calling floor. All right, so they are the ones that actually will drive. Uh, some of the engagement activities, right? Uh, so, uh, and they know their people well, they know what it, 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 it takes to, to kind of make them tick. So they will be the ones that will come up with programs, initiatives uh, to get them to be engaged, to get them to participate in, in, in events. Uh, may it be uh, uh, activities that involve the people or it could be just purely CSR uh, engagement. So the ideas are coming from the people that, and, and we believe that it is because of this, that's why uh, the involvement and the engagements becomes extremely high, right? Uh, so we don't want to see this as a, a very corporate initiatives, but uh, it, it's just trusting uh, uh, the people at the floor to know uh, what it takes to to actually drive that that uh, level of uh, employee satisfaction. So, so that's what we do. And and throughout the whole uh, uh, employee experience, we we spend a lot of time on looking at uh, employee understanding the employee uh, satisfaction and employee experience score. We do this uh, on a half yearly basis. Uh, we we kind of want to know how we are managing our uh, employee satisfaction. Um, so so we have been uh, fortunate that uh, our employee satisfaction score has always been uh, top box a uh, top two box. Uh, we are at at least uh, eighty five above eighty five percent. So we track that very vigorously, um, and of course the leadership team personally put in a lot of uh, efforts to have. Uh, I do have my breakfast dialogue sessions with with, uh, with the teams, various teams. Uh, I have the CEO dialogue sessions as well. So so it's 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 really very much around uh, uh, you know ensuring that we we have the employee at, at, at heart and and I think it's all about authenticity uh, to what we do. Uh, 
Um, and, and I think uh, being authentic uh, makes a lot of difference because you're, you're doing it not because you, you have to do it, uh, but you're doing it because, you know, you believe in, 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 in the people component and, and you know, you, you are there uh, for, for the people aspect of it. And, and employees are very smart. They can feel it and they can sense it, right? So if you're doing it just out for the sake of doing it, then uh, it defeats the whole purpose, right? Yeah, definitely right. Yeah. I think we're yeah. going to draw, starting to draw close to the, the podcast, Manira, but I feel like we could speak yeah. for a long time. <laughs> I guess the last question um, that we'd love to ask you and, and something that we're starting to ask a few of our guests is if you were to look sure. into the crystal ball for the mm-hmm. customer experience space, contact center space, what do you mm-hmm. see is going to happen down the line? And, and that's probably useful for some of the leaders who are listening to this, that they can then start preparing themselves for what's in, well, what, what you believe is coming up um, in, the, in that space. Sure, sure. Right. Well, I, I, I would believe that, um, you know, the, the, uh, the widespread of uh, adoption of digital, uh, digital uh, strategy, um, it's, it's, it's there, all right? Because now we said digital transformation is no longer a smart strategy. It's, it's a survival strategy for a lot of people. So because of this, it's kind of changing the way customers wants to communicate with the organization. That's how I see this. Uh, so conversations no longer is just limited to the traditional uh, voice channel. Uh, and customers expects uh, to engage with companies seamlessly uh, uh, across multiple channels like chats, mobile, video, and, and uh, social media. Uh, I'm, I'm not discounting the importance of uh, uh, calls because um, it has also been proven while the social media and the digital platforms has, has uh, interactions has escalated. Uh, likewise, the phone uh, uh, interactions has also increased uh, as a result of the pandemic. So, so uh, both are, are essentially very, very important. Uh, but what I would like to essentially say is that uh, we, we seem to be doing a, a very relatively good job um, in, in managing um, uh, the phone, uh, uh, you know, to drive customer satisfaction. So we are very good at that, you know, pick up the phone in two rings, you know, uh, uh, and we are there. Um, but however, uh, we are seeing poor CSAT scores in chatbots, in customer uh, communities, in messaging and all that. So I think it's, it's really important to ensure that, uh, uh, you know, your consistency in your whole customer touch point and what you measure uh, becomes uh, uh, very important as well. So you kind of need to put focus on not just the voice channel, which we are doing extremely well at this point, but the ability to actually focus also on the other channels as well. So that leads me to the fact that, you know, uh, uh, how do you therefore now start to uh, measure, um, you know, the, the importance of the contact center space, right? Today, uh, um, uh, we are seeing more and more contact centers uh, uh, metrics uh, are no longer just about, you know, uh, average speed of answer and, and, you know, the service level. 
But now uh, we be, uh, there is a need of focus on looking at first contact resolutions and customer satisfaction scores uh, uh, are the most more popular success metrics that we're looking at at this point, um, uh, rather than the usual operational uh, metrics. All right. So, so I guess that's the other key thing that uh, needs to to be considered. Um, you know, in driving the the, cust uh, the contact center to the next level. And uh, we are also beginning to see that uh, the future uh, budgets uh, for uh, contact center leaders to consider uh, or need to focus on would be to, fo uh, to drive uh, journey mapping and customer experience design uh, as the key points um, and uh, budgets around employee training, coaching, uh, process optimization and customer intelligence are some of the key themes that we are beginning to see uh, in the contact center world, right? So, so it is important that um, we need to pivot. Um, and, and as more and more digitalization comes in, uh, uh, it's no longer just about technology. I think the next wave is how do you hum humanize uh, the interactions, right? Uh, by, by having that hybrid model of having digital plus the human component aspect of it. So, so the ability to have that, uh, that hybrid model of, of uh, embracing uh, the whole customer experience journey becomes therefore uh, very important uh, for, for anyone. Yeah. So I, I guess that's, that's the uh, key drivers there. So one, it's really from a digital strategy perspective. The other one, it's the uh, preparing the organization, preparing the culture, uh, you know, to be ready to embrace this digital uh, economy, and then making sure you have the right technology uh, uh, to be able to support that, you know, high, uh, the interactive engagements uh, while still dependent on technology, uh, you know, to drive your overall uh, customer experience. So we could talk more, but uh, yeah. I, I know we are out of time. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we yeah, could. I've, yeah. I've got um, I've got a bunch of other questions written down that I'd love to ask you, but I, I might do that offline because, yeah, there's just so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll see you in Clubhouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Thank you so much, Manira. That that was amazing. Thanks. I feel like given given us, a, everyone listening, an amazing blueprint for, you know, how to think about leading and running their contact centre. So that was, that was so good. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Sean, for the time and Arnold for, for coordinating this. Um, so looking forward to, to a better future for everyone then. Good luck in your journey for a CX. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Manira. Thank, thank you. you for, and to our audience, thank you for listening. Hope you all loved it. They can reach out to you, Manira, on your socials. And do you have where, where, where's the best place for people to see what you're up to and what you're sharing? Well, um, well, look at for, for, look out for me in the LinkedIn. I think that's the best place to, that you can reach me. So Munira Louie, and you will probably be connected with me in, in the LinkedIn. Awesome, beautiful, beautiful, right. and we're on Clubhouse as well. So right. if anyone's on there, can come have a chat with us there too. But Munira, thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure to get to speak to you and. And to it was a privilege to hear what you your experiences and how much what you have to share. Um, you make it sound yeah. so easy. That's probably the thing that I take away. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's uh, it's absolutely right. brilliant. There you go. There's a blueprint, everyone. I hope you all enjoyed. Thanks it. Thank so you much. very much. Bye bye. Bye bye. God bless. Bye bye. Bye.